0: Welcome to the FreightWaves Global Supply Chain Summit. My name is Mark Solomon. I'm senior writer at FreightWaves. We are joined in this fireside chat by Jeff Christensen. Jeff is vice president of product for Seagrid Corporation. Seagrid is one of the leading manufacturers of autonomous vehicles in the material handling space. And today's topic is basically the the future of the autonomous warehouse. Welcome Jeff, how are you?
1: I'm great, thanks Mark. It's nice to be here.
0: Uh, Thanks for coming on. Uh, First question. Obviously, this was a unique year, 2020, for all of transportation, all of material handling. Uh, How much of Seagrid's 2020 growth would you attribute to the changes in distribution patterns as a result of the pandemic?
1: Yeah, there's no question that 2020 was a challenging year and uh, a year full of Changes uh, all across the board and uh, and transportation and logistics was uh, certainly uh, hit strongly there. I think what we saw in the year was early on in the in the pandemic and in say the first and maybe parts of the second quarter, uh, a lot of our customers were uncertain, just like all of us, of exactly how long this was going to last, how much should change, things like that. but in the the latter half of the year, we saw a renewed emphasis on a robust supply chain, right? The demand was increasing for them and they needed to do it with fewer people because of COVID. So yeah, I think that what we saw from the demand side of our customer base was they were accelerating thoughts that they've had about making their supply chain more robust and more automated. They're pulling some of those plans forward into 2020 that maybe they were thinking of, you know, for a year or two out, but the, the demand really forced them to, to pull that forward. And, you know, now what we're seeing and continue to see is peak levels at the, for logistics centers and warehousing and distribution, that's usually just the last couple of months of the year, it's now constant peak. Uh, across the board, so and it's been like that for eight or nine months now. So, so yeah, I think that the demand has certainly increased because of the pandemic.
0: Do you see elevated demand through the rest of the year? I know it's early, but uh, do you see the same type of uh, activity continuing through, as far as you can tell, the remainder we do. of 2021?
1: Yeah, we do. And probably past that as well. I think that what this is, uh, this is not just a temporary blip or a band-aid solution for, you know, a a short term shortage uh, around COVID. I think that what it really has done is a lot of the, the market was thinking about automation, but it was just a little bit um, out in the future. And now it's brought those things in and, you know, automating you know, parts of your intralogistics, logistics and then a growing more and more of your intralogistics logistics is not something that you do in a month's time. So this is now, I think initiatives that are being prioritized across the market. So yes, I expect that the growth that we saw in the latter half of 2020 will extend through 2021. And, and frankly, beyond that, I'm seeing this as sort of a, an accelerated inflection point for automation.
0: Well, in that vein, let's talk about the future of the autonomous warehouse. Um, Even before COVID, there were shortages of of available and qualified warehouse workers. Um, COVID has perhaps amplified and exacerbated that trend. Um, What are you hearing from customers as far as automating their distribution centers? What strategies do you see them employing to continue to generate a productive environment, even if there are fewer people to support it?
1: Yeah, I I think that the generating productive environment is is a really key aspect of it. So what I like, I like it when customers are focused on the business problem and the business case of what they're trying to solve as opposed to the technology, the technology is a means to an end and I say that as a technologist. So you know the the goal of a fully automated warehouse has been talked about for a long time right the the quote unquote lights out warehouse and from my perspective, this is a classic Pareto 8020 style problem where we should really be looking at what are the the highest value workflows in logistics that can and should be automated today. And the last 20% may not have the cost benefit that you think that they will have. So I think that uh, from a technological feasibility perspective, could we do a completely automated white uh, warehouse and and have it be lights out? Uh, yes, it, it's technically feasible or it's at least pretty close. I think the economic viability is the more important question of when will will that tipping point really happen where you know it's economically the right choice to be going fully automated. From my perspective for the next several years, really focus on not going from, you know, fully manual to fully automated in one step. That's it's frankly too risky from an operational perspective. So think about it incrementally, think about where the highest value is, get that value, realize it, and then move on incrementally from there. It doesn't have to be, you know, zero to 60 in one move. So I think that there's, if people are thinking about automating their processes for all of these reasons, right? Economic risk, uh, labor risk, uh, just general economic efficiency and throughput, focus on, the business value, make sure that you realize those things and then build up from there. And you can do it incrementally. You don't have to go uh, all the way to the end. Technologically, you could do some of those things. Economically, focus on your business case and make sure you get that value.
0: So is there a risk that warehouse operators might over automate and realize that they need people to manage certain functions inside their facilities
1: well i'm not sure if there's a risk of over automating uh there's maybe a a couple of exception cases uh around that that uh that maybe got too ambitious too quickly but i think that a a pragmatic approach of, of looking at where the real value is and you know using vendors that you can work with hand in hand to achieve that value, that's that's lower risk. In terms of still having people, there will still be people. Uh, You know, one of the things that that we think about as we approach the market is automation with a human touch. This is not automation without humans around. There are still activities that are value add that are sort of higher value that humans can do as a part of the operations that just get them out of redundant and repetitive tasks. Those are things that robots are really good at, and we should let them do those things and let the people focus on optimization strategies and, you know, and business outcomes of what the the organization is trying to achieve. So I see that there is still a partnership between, you know, um, people and machines as a part of this automation story for probably quite a while still.
0: In your conversations with customers, do they tell you that it is difficult to find qualified labor uh, to staff their their facilities?
1: Yes. Yeah. It, it's still challenging. Certainly, it was challenging before COVID, and and then there was, you know, I think a, a mostly temporary uh, change in unemployment. But I think even after that, there is a shortage of labor associated with this type of work. It's um, it's very repetitive and there is a high turnover, right? So even if you can employ the people to do the amount of, you know, manual material handling that you need on, on one day, you're going to have in some cases, 100 or 200% turnover in a year. So you're really focusing all sorts of um, resources and energy on finding and training people only for them to leave in a few months and you're doing it all over again. So it's a um, it, it's not a highly productive or efficient use of those resources to be trying to chase that when that shortage is is very real.
0: Are there issues or have there been issues migrating from a traditional palletized, environment to one that is e-commerce driven with eaches and poly bags? I mean, have has that been a significant challenge for businesses to make what is really a profound shift in fulfillment infrastructure?
1: I, I think it's a very interesting challenge. I think it is a challenge, but it's, a, it's an interesting one, right? There are, I think of materials in the supply chain, coarsely speaking, as kind of four orders of magnitude. You have trailers, pallets, cases, and eaches, and 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 there is this um, very fluid connection between those in the supply chain that I think is, um, as you say, leaning more toward the smaller the smaller pieces, cases and and eaches, uh, you know, in e-commerce fulfillment. And yeah, I think that the it, it creates interesting challenges from an inventory perspective, from a material movement perspective, uh, you know, just-in-time fulfillment. Uh, so yeah, there are some really interesting challenges, and moving more toward the the transaction end, right, the, the end point of fulfillment is where uh, intra-logistics and material handling are really moving toward. It doesn't mean that palletized moves are going away, that, that still happens just at sort of the more coarse... Uh, grained part of the supply chain, but it's really about interoperability across all of those different sizes of materials, because there is sort of the the right size and the right move at the right time kind of mentality to, to make the overall system efficient. So it's not just that everything is going to each is, it's that we need a, a holistic picture of interoperability across material moves across all of those sizes.
0: Machines break down; they need to be repaired or and maintained. Uh, Is that a challenge for the operators? And, for example, what does Seagrid do? What service does it provide in the event that one of its pieces of equipment goes down?
1: Well, we provide. Training for service technicians at the customer site so they can do things that are like preventative maintenance and, and first-tier support so they can handle some of those issues themselves. We also have a service team that, you know, is either on call to help or to go out to sites and help and, and you know, we have uh, other partners that can can do some of those activities for us as well. Um, but one of the things that, you know, I think that our customers have found to be an interesting side benefit Of automation is that the reliability of automated machines because they are so predictable in their movement and what they do and things like that are actually much easier on the machinery than manual drivers are so that means that the reliability is actually far higher so um, so yes there are obviously machines do you know require maintenance over time but uh, less maintenance frankly than the status quo of of all of these manually driven trucks,
0: uh, there has been an explosion in warehouse and distribution center activity. Particularly in the last year, there doesn't seem to be any let up. Does the growth of of the segment pose challenges not only to the operators but to you know, providers, support providers like yours? Mm-hmm. Can you meet the demand for all these warehouses that are coming online.
1: Uh, yeah, so that's a um it's a great problem to have. Um it's it's no less of a problem, but it, it is a um it's it's an exciting challenge to have. You know, one of the things that I'm proud of is that the the customer base that we have are, you know, Fortune 100 kind of companies that have very high demands and um and and obviously require a lot of both units and throughput in their facilities, um, but you know, high levels of support and, and things like that from us. And you know, it's, it's sort of like the, the New York, New York song, right? If you, can, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. So I, I think I, uh, um, I like our chances on that. And yes, I think that you're right. There is certainly increased demand. There are more distribution centers coming online every day. And um, yeah, I'm excited about the transformation of the industry. And, uh, and certainly, you know, I'm excited about our place in it and, and how we're participating in, you know, this kind of really significant transformation of, of logistics. It's um, it's very exciting. This is a two part
0: question. Did COVID accelerate this migration to the automated model uh, or was it heading and was it heading in that direction? And, and was this migration brought forward by two or three years as a result of it and the second part is has have companies more or less are they working towards a 50 50 or 60 40 70 30 split between automation and manual i mean is is the 80 split? Ratio that you described the sort of the the sweet spot.
1: Uh, yeah. So the so the first part of the question: Were we going there already, and did COVID accelerate? It? And I think the answer is yes to both. So there's there's clearly a movement toward automation, and and there's no there's sort of um, no controversy in terms of why. Right. There are significant macroeconomic factors that are are pressuring um you know the the logistics community and this market to become far more efficient right we're talked a lot here about uh, e-commerce fulfillment that is not going away anytime soon and that is accelerating the the demand on the consumer side which then you know puts all sorts of pressure on the on the logistics uh, and supply chain to fulfill all of that demand so there's no question that the that demand is there and it is growing and will continue to grow and COVID did accelerate that. I think, um, you know, if companies had a plan and they were looking at this a year or two or three out, I think that this, you know, brought some of those plans in forward that says, okay, well, we need to deal with this now. And even post-COVID, you know, this is now going to uh, improve our efficiency and effectiveness as an organization. So we're going to keep investing in that even post-COVID. So I think that Um, COVID may have accelerated some things, but we were already going in this direction um, as a market. Uh, And in terms of the amount to automate, obviously it depends a lot. And one of the things that uh, we spend a lot of our time and resources doing is working with customers to really understand their existing processes and what are the, you know, sort of phase one two and three approach depending on you know sort of what kind of level of risk they want to take and in changing around their operations of you know well these are three workflows that you should really be looking at automating today and then do this and then do this and if they want to take on all of them it's it's not that we can't do that and i don't mean to say that risk is Um, you know, that there's a a technological risk that it might not work. It's just an operational risk. Anytime you change anything, um, there are things that you want to take into account, and the technology is just one part of it. You want to make sure all your people are trained and that you have, you know, these new processes well documented, and you're looking at continuous improvement of them and things like that. So we want to enable that kind of change management and thinking around continuous improvement, um, and looking at it in sort of let's manage the risk associated with this and also get the the best value out of automation as quickly as possible. So so is 80-20 the the sweet spot? Um, uh, Maybe, but I I think it really does depend. I mean, there are some facilities that you can go 90-10 or even 95, and there are some that, you know, there's just so many very intricate manual operations as a part of their that their plant, you know, it might be 60 or 70. So, um, so I think it depends, but there is clearly a path toward automation for you know, the majority of the market.
0: We have about a minute and I had a good question, but it's gonna take longer than a minute to answer. So maybe I'll ask it in a way that you can do it succinctly. Uh, what will the warehouse of the future 2025 look like? Will it be still a mix of people and machines?
1: I think it will still be a mix of people and machines by twenty twenty five. I think that uh, um, the majority of the moves will be automated, and a lot of the creative thinking and optimization will still be done by people. Okay.
0: We've been speaking with Jeff Christensen, Vice President Product for Seagrid Corporation, on this fireside chat at Freight Waves. Global Supply Chain Summit. Jeff, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks a lot, Mark.